Hello and welcome to a very regal episode 12 of Straight From The Hot Tap. In this episode we discuss the impact of Prince Philip, the demise of the British Empire and how best to commemorate the Duke's life and times as only Taunton can. I present my eclectic Traffic Island Discs, Lou makes a desperate and heartfelt plea for some hate to put into Lou's reviews, Josh has an unfortunate incident with an Italian sound engineer in a very confined space and Taunton Matters provokes speculation about the use of hay bales. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share and visit us on social media. We'd also love a rating on Podchaser if you can be bothered. If you don't enjoy this episode, then please visit The Hungry Horse for an overcooked steak and complain directly to the chef. I'm Matt. And I'm Lou. I'm John. I am Josh. And I'm Matt. And this is Straight talking about microphones as we're filming in this restaurant there's annoying buzzing noise and these are sound guys they need to sort it out and they are really really nice guys these two italian guys and they, we had to go at the very end of this, that scene we had to just go and try and shoot my lines again without this buzzing noise and we went first into the the ladies loo and we couldn't do it there then we went to another loo to, to try and block out the sound <laughs> and so obviously everyone could hear us because they were listening on the headphones but we were just shoved in this tiny space and i said my lines and then the the other sound guy from the other room through the headphones was like, put put the microphone closer to his mouth. And then this really Italian guy goes, I'm I'm in his mouth. <laughs> 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 and then all we could hear was literally the entire crew just pissing themselves outside. <laughs> We're up to just shy of 600, which is pretty okay. damn good. Wow. Very yeah. good. What's really interesting is that the last episodes had a, a very small number, but People are obviously listening to the back collection quite quite avidly, which is really interesting. I had three people call me about the last episode saying, really? am I all right? Yeah. Because uh, they said I thought I sounded like I was on the verge of you know, <laughs> hurting myself or something. That so, is kind of how it came across a bit. <laughs> no, but I, I was just trying to, to be honest about my lifestyle. I thought, I thought it was a good episode, though. I listened to it back this, this, this afternoon, and I thought it was really good, actually, in parts, really well balance well thought through it was nice yeah what's what's news anyway guys what's what's happened in the last week or so well uh the duke of edinburgh died yeah and i think that's a good subject of discussion for us because i know that josh Definitely. is really anti-monarchist and so loves Shut it. Up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all those years his yeah. dad spent working for the russians <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so anyway so i thought it was a good opportunity to really like you know, dish some dirt on the, the monarchy. That was um, one, of, one of the Duke of Edinburgh's like, famous quotes. So someone said, you know, have you ever been to Russia? And he was like, well, I should very much like to visit Russia. Except the bastards murdered half my family. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I've actually seen the tombs of the murdered Russian czars. Really? You know, the ones that were murdered at Katerinburg in St. Petersburg, yeah. Really? I have, I've, I've seen them, yeah. I know, this is gonna sound, I know this is going to sound really bad, but when the Duke of Edinburgh died, all I could think mm. of was, oh my God, I wonder what the guy's going to say on the podcast about this. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that prompted like wall-to-wall coverage on, on BBC and ITV. It then received the record number of complaints for any wow. event in, in the history of television. Is it because someone missed really? MasterChef or something? Basically, yeah. It, it, it probably was. It's kind of inescapable that basically when it moves to the next generation, 
they will be absolutely incapable of building up anything like the level of respect that they enjoy now. And as much as the Duke of Edinburgh is kind of a comedy figure, he's also like a well-respected comedy figure. He's known for these gaffes, but actually, you know, if you think of how many endless engagements and speeches and et cetera, and someone who kind of like, he wrote all his speeches himself always, which is pretty cool. And sometimes, obviously, he put his foot in it. But in, if you sort of put those many gaffes in, as, in those many decades, it's, it's, it's actually, there's quite a, there was quite a lot of serious, seriousness to him mm. as well. He was definitely humorous. I mean, he had a great sense of humor. I watched an interview with him back in the 80s, and it was quite a sort of in-depth interview on his sort of thoughts on society and everything. And he, he's incredibly sort of engage, engaging and engaged, you know, and he was really sort of championing how important community is, your role in community. And he said, you know, judging people by their job is completely stupid and pointless, and that's not... It was really about how people can have a way more important role in the world by how committed they are to their communities and whatever. It's quite, it was quite interesting. It's quite a good, interesting worldview. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just jokes. Ironically, the message of the Royal Family always is a very well thought out, heartwarming social message of unity, which has been, at least in, the, in previous decades, in conflict with a political message of individualism and taking command of your life economically and community has really suffered. So they dismantled all the public services and everything, which ironically, the royal family kind of stand for. So it's created a really interesting conflict, which, I, you know, I finally watched that show, The Crown, and it kind of deals with that really well in, the, in season four of that. I always think, what is the alternative? You know, it's not like the, they rule the country, right? And so we, you know, you see that the the comings and goings and the various antics, pretty sort of pretty terrible behaviour on of so many politicians who come and go, and other leaders, quote unquote. But actually, I think there's quite a lot of lot of positivity, as you say, with the royal family. Yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely no alternative in terms of Britain, is there? Because it's always been a monarchy, so it's not going to just going to turn around and be a republic. And we've actually tried it in our history. We created a republic in the mid-1600s, and it was a disaster. And if you look at the other European countries that have got rid of their monarchies and become republics, they've almost all of them, I can't think of a single example which hasn't begun a, um, a series of government shifts. Like, look at France. I mean, they've had monarchy, then they had republic, then a monarchy, then a You know, they go backwards. It, it just kind of creates some instability. So it's impossible to think that England would ever get rid of the monarchy. There's just this sort of sense of permanence with the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh as well. It's almost like something you don't think about because it's always been there. And regardless of some of the other antics of some other members of the royal family and stuff, that, that axis at the top has been has has just been always been there. So it's kind of it was just it's slightly unsettling almost that that disturbed yeah but it, but it's also been there for like our parents generation because, that's what i mean it for yeah. all of us what i mean that for, for the whole country there's barely anyone younger than them alive so yeah it's interesting in terms of our love of monarchy and the status of monarchy not just domestically but on a global stage how much is do you think is that linked to empire a lot of the the grandeur and a lot of the you know the pomp and and ceremony of monarchy it's impossible to separate from the idea of colonialism, isn't it? Think about where, where I'm from. You go to Osborne House on the Isle of Wight, where Queen Victoria's 
home away from home and all the rest of it. You, you, you walk in there and the most impressive room of all is the one that's basically a collection of stuff robbed from India. From other countries. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. It's, don't get me wrong, it's beautiful. It's very respectful for, for Indian culture. But Victoria's role of Empress of India was a big deal, both domestically and and overseas. So as, as our empire has basically diminished to the point of not really existing anymore, the role of the monarchy almost seems redundant. Essentially, they're almost like minor celebrities these days. I think I think they represent value. I'm talking to you about the Queen, Prince Philip. There is a differentiation, but they they represent so many human value, and Philip was quite good at bringing that in and opening it up. The main thing that really struck me, and because of my family situation, and I'll expand on that in a second, is that I just found it really sad actually, because you know they've been married for 73 years, and one of them's died, and that must be a massive massive void that's now been created and it was a real love story it was a genuine it wasn't some sort of arranged thing it was a genuine story of two people my grandparents have been married for a similar amount of time and they're still here you know and you just think that's really sad when one goes and you can think of all the politics and their role and everything they've done or not done they've used their yes prince philip has used his position to advantage for the environment and, and for example, the Duke of Edinburgh awards, all that sort of stuff. But essentially, they're just they're just two people, and one of them's died, and I find that really sad. Yeah, I really agree with that. I feel very sad for the Queen. It must be awful. It must be awful. But let's be honest, though, right? It's a lot easier to stay married when you have to worry about you know whether the whether the gas bill is going to be paid <laughs> and what time somebody's home from golf. And, do you know what I mean? <laughs> then again. The, the kind of connection between the our country and the monarchy sort of preceded that by hundreds of years, you know. Obviously, there's always been a, you know, as as were, as every European country, every men and many others, obviously, around the world throughout history have always, you know, there's always been some sort of empirical kind of desire, you know, and warring and, and, and all the rest of it. But at the same time, I think the connection between the people and, and the the monarchy in this country obviously is is so old and it obviously precedes obviously even william the conqueror i mean there were fame you know obviously famous saxon kings or whatever you know so it's mm-hmm. it's it is a sort of tradition that goes back so many hundreds of years i do think people will, will get behind charles when that day comes it's really interesting the idea of, of how they represent the idea of empire isn't it because our perception of the idea of empire has changed in our lifetime because i think that definitely when we were younger there wasn't as much awareness how destructive it had been for the for the world globally. And there was much more of a tendency to see it in a sympathetic light or see it in a kind of, oh, you know, it was kind of more of like a benevolent cultural exchange type of thing, you know? And I think that now, you know, people are much more aware of how destructive empire was and of the negative consequences of it. The other day, I was in a, I was in a, a, an Uber, and the driver was Guatemalan, and um, he told me he was he was asking me about England, and then he said, "Oh, you know, when I was a kid, the British tried to kill me," and I was like, "What?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, the British tried to kill me." He told me about how in the 1980s, uh, Margaret Thatcher sent the British Army to Belize. And the British army were in Belize and they bombed 
the eastern part of Guatemala, right? Because Guatemala claimed Belize. And then he was telling me, yeah, when I was a kid in Guatemala, we used to see the English warplanes flying over and we used to have to take cover. I don't think anyone I've ever met has ever heard of that. I never have, no. No, but yeah, but yeah, it was a big part of this kid's life. And then when I was getting out of the car, he told me, you know what, though? Maybe Margaret Thatcher tried to kill me when I was a kid, but I'd love to go to Buckingham Palace and see where the Queen lived. Do you know what I think is really that we've done really well in this country, though? We, we've managed to. We, we sent a pretty important message when we chopped the head off Charles I. Hmm. You know, oh, yeah. That, that, mes- that message was, yeah. don't be a dick. Don't be a dick or we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have a revolution and we'll install some you know, nutter as president. Other countries haven't really figured that out yet. So, you know, the French... They're still employing nutters as presidents. Correct. They, they, they let it go for years, you know, with these monarchs basically running riot, you know, living the dream, building ridiculous palaces, dressing in ridiculous clothes, and basically hoovering up all the money. In Britain, we said, look, guys, we like you. We like looking at your pretty things, coming to your palaces, you know, waving at you when you, when you go past in your carriages and stuff. But you get too fucking big for your boots, off with your head. And that message was it, it basically stopped the monarchy from being dicks for hundreds of years. I think that's good. You know, the monarchy, they know they can, you know, they can ponce around. They can kind of go and open the Olympic Games and go shooting grouse in the moors of Scotland and so on. But the minute, the minute they start dishing out some budgeting advice to poor people and suggesting the menu should include cake when there's no bread. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to go in there and take them out and put them through some kind of sham trial and then execute them publicly in Leicester Square. Now, I think that's really important because that's what's basically gone wrong with monarchies all around the world. You see these images of like the royal family like going around the world and like opening buildings wearing pith helmets and stuff. And you just think like, <laughs> that's so humiliating. You know what I mean? Like for the people living there, that's just so humiliating. Like, can you imagine some old white guy turns up wearing a pith helmet and like a robe and with a band and like opens your building. <laughs> the whole idea of empire, again, is I feel like it taps into a kind of global denial that everyone suffers from, not just people from the UK. You know, for example, I can't tell you how much people here when I'm at a party and stuff have gone, oh yeah, the British Empire was so bad. This happened to me two months ago, right? With the reopening, like someone made a joke about the British Empire. And I'm just like, are you out of your mind? I moved to this country during the invasion of Iraq. We're sitting in California. It used to be part of Mexico. Unless, Unless your name is fucking Geronimo, then you participated in colonialism. There are modern day empires just in different ways. You know, the USA, China. I mean, they're not yeah. they're not sending soldiers, but they're they have, you know, money and influence mm. everywhere. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, for example, like England loves to claim responsibility for ending the slave trade. Yeah. Um, well that's starting but, it, yeah. But it also started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So and I and I think the fact that there's a Netflix series about the Queen tells you how much of a genuine lightning rod she is and how much discussion there is on both sides. I mean, I, I have got to be honest, I personally quite like the Queen, you know, and I personally quite like the Duke of Edinburgh. I, I'm not sure how I feel about the other ones. Um, That's yeah. good, though, Matt, because she thinks you're a dick. 
Listen, <laughs> the Queen and I. Listen, the Queen and I have a long-standing agreement not to make our conflict public. All right. I found out something really interesting recently: the slave trade. Have you ever come across Granny Nanny? Look it up. It's the most amazing story. Is she from Jamaica? Yes, she is from Jamaica. Then I've well come done. across her. Have you? So she had, she had another name, which was Nanny of the Maroons. Of the Maroons. She lived in 1686 to 1755 is when she died. Actually, Louise, you might remember Granny Nanny from Black Sails. Oh my God, I don't think I got that far. So Granny Nanny, she was, a, she was a, basically a, 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 an African queen who was obviously you know, traded by the slavers. And she set up a, a resistance colony in Jamaica. And it's the most amazing story. Basically, she built this um, resistance colony of escaped slaves, but also slaves who were rescued by her and her people. And they set up this, this colony in the mountains of Jamaica and became so powerful that the British actually, rather than f- fighting and trying to you know, kill the rebellion as they did with everybody else that tried to resist them, they actually signed a peace treaty with granny nanny and the process of eliminating slavery in those islands was was mediated by her and her her people it's genuinely an incredible story it's it's absolutely epic. absolutely it's amazing epic. story isn't it it's absolutely epic and she set up this ridiculous colony and but, but what's really interesting about this colony well it was from you know the, the slaves that were part of this colony were from all over different parts of africa from different different tribes who would normally be fighting each other and but not, but also escaped, you know, pirates, people that have, that have been press ganged into military service, and they reckon guerrilla warfare started by Rani Nally and her band of uh, vagabonds. Basically, the idea of going in and doing uh, skirmish type warfare, the British had no idea how to deal with this 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 tactic of going in, killing a lot of people, running away again, hiding in the woods. And th- the society they built was really was one of like a really advanced democracy. With her as like a head of state, it's really interesting. That's an incredible story, mate. That it's cool. unbelievable. Look it up. Yeah. Is it going to be hard for us to have heroes from our imperial history? You sort of speak to the younger generations; they just have absolutely no clue, no idea, no history knowledge of any of these things whatsoever. And you see them on Facebook or on YouTube and stuff of people of younger kids being interviewed, and they don't have the vaguest clue of anything to do with history. These things will naturally fade with history. Given another another couple of generations, the Empire stuff will probably fade as well because there's a limit also, I think, and I, I, I don't know if this is controversial to say or not, but there's also a limit to how current and future generations can continue to bear the brunt both as perpetrator and victim of things mm. that happened really in a in a distant past and obviously where culturally socially we are the result of of these things that went before my take on on a lot of the, the kind of revisionist views of history is the one good thing that that i hope will come out of it is that we will start to uncover heroes whose stories haven't been told yet so the, the for example have you ever heard of pearl witherington is, is that a name that means anything to you guys no no. Right, so Pearl Witherington was the, one of the very first female British spies trained by the Special Operations Executive um, in the pre-war period. The reason she was chosen was because she was basically half French. So her French, her level of French was 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 native, effectively. 
And Pearl led a resistance movement in France that was in, absolutely instrumental in the defeating of the Germans in certain parts of France during the, the invasion. And her story is remarkable because not only was she female, she was not from a military family, but she had to command a group of illegal fighters that were both French resistance fighters, British plants, communists, all kinds of things. And her story has, has been told, but only by the people that are really into that kind of history, you know. And people like her are genuine heroes. You know, her, she lived until well into her 80s. She, you know, had to do some crazy stuff, really, given her, her age, given her, her limited military training at the time. And people like her, their stories need to be told in schools. You know, granny nanny <laughs> story needs to be told in schools. So the stories we hear are often of these sort of people who's like Churchill, for example, who's when, when you when you look at it forensically and you examine their their stories in minute detail, there, there's some questionable stuff because they're part of an establishment that that you know in modern times wasn't great. But they're these individual, fairly small scale stories that are really important to the, the, you know the, the freedom and the the progression of the 21st century. You know, in terms of winning conflicts, beating tyranny and all that kind of stuff. Just to wrap this section up then, we need to commemorate the life and times of the Duke of Edinburgh in Taunton. How would you do it? Johnny, you got to, you're in charge of commemorating the life and times of the Prince of Edinburgh in Taunton. What's your plan? The thing I thought that would be most suitable to honour him would be probably to construct the Duke of Edinburgh bowling alley. <laughs> I think I think it would be um, you know a suitable sort of uh, edifice to, in his memory. But I think probably when you go in, instead of just going in, you have to cut the ribbon to go in, and <laughs> and then when you put your name up on the screen, you pull a little cord and you unveil a user generated plaque with your name. Brilliant! I think I love it. And then the bowling itself, you know, instead of instead of actually Bowling it with pins, you would aim it at tigers, deer, and filtrating media types, and yeah, try and not try and knock them down. That's that's what I was thinking. I was I was reading a Lovely. bit more, and, and like because he was such a, as I said, because he was such a, a modernizer. I think you'd probably appreciate the whole venue being decked out in a postmodern steampunk style, quite heavy <laughs> industrial navy. Uh, engine room style with lots of gantry cranes grating, heavy uh, galvanizing all over the place. I think that's brilliant. Fitting. I, Fitting. I actually it's don't know fitting. where to go from here. It is a tough one. I feel that um, this is a bit off piece, but we could there could be someone from the island of maybe a representative from the island of of Tana in Vanuatu in the Pacific, um, because there are two tribes. There are two tribes there who regards Prince Philip as a deity. And this is totally true. This is totally true. They regard him as a deity. There's a story in their, sort of, in the, in their spiritual stories about a, a man who, who travels far from there, from, there, from Vanuatu, to, um, to, wet, to marry a powerful woman across the world. And so Prince Philip did this. And they, as a result, they, he's, like, he's a reincarnation of their god. So he's he's a sort of deity. So I think maybe we should have a a kind of uh, an embassy for the island of Tanner in Taunton. That's very fitting. I love town it. twinning, maybe a town. 
Yeah, it's exactly. Like it. Taunton and Tanner. Yeah, it almost sounds the same. Matt, what about you? What are your think? What are your thoughts on the subject? There's really only one thing to do, which is to <laughs> reshape the Taunton Hydrographic Institute's mountain. You know, it's in a mountain. Just reshape it in the form of the Duke of Edinburgh's head. <laughs> <laughs> And basically, you, you just you just construct a speaker system that twenty four hour twenty four hours a day just booms the Duke of Edinburgh's best quotes on a on a loop. <laughs> That's brilliant. Another good reason to visit Taunton. Well, there you go. The thing is, the inhabitants of Taunton will be deafened after a while, but that'll just have to be a necessary price to pay. I mean, they'll just be collateral damage for having. <laughs> Such a great monument to the Duke of Edinburgh. It's such an honour. I mean, their deafness will be their own sacrifice. Mine, by comparison, seems quite low key, really. So I thought we you know, we could re- revisit somewhere in Taunton that, that that's clearly fallen on hard times. It's been discussed been discussed several times during this podcast, and that's the Greyhound Pub. So I thought we could (laughs) start relatively low key. Yeah, we still come back to the Greyhound Pub on every. All all roads lead back to the Greyhound Pub. So I thought we could introduce the Duke of Edinburgh Carvery. (laughs) So (laughs) I thought we need something. I nearly choked on my wine then. So, so we need something that's kind of befitting of the man, grand, but also appealing to the masses, because I think that I well, think that, that would don't honour him well. I was thinking more roasted <laughs> emu as a starter, <laughs> cooked, cooked one way, which is slowly under halogen lights. <laughs> and then maybe a main, we could maybe griddle some grouse and bring in the Edinburgh theme a little bit and serve it with some haggis and maybe some, some neats and Reheated, of course, neats and tatties. <laughs> Maybe a Dauphinoise potatoes for those more more cosmopolitan of tastes, and then would this, would this be would this be double the price of the regular carvery? I'd say half the price because <laughs> because now we've expanded the the actual eating area of the Greyhound Pub by taking out the nice cosy nooks and crannies and just put a series of benches, benches and yeah. long tables in. We can fit loads more people in. So by halving the price, we'll double the footfall and therefore increase the profits. We can deal away with any customer service or anything like that that just costs money. I thought for dessert, the dessert I was struggling with dessert a little bit. So I tried to think of something quintessentially British that the Duke would approve of. And I could only come up with one thing, and that's spotted dick. <laughs> I think the royal family has had to deal with <laughs> spotted dicks many times over the years. Uh... So serving up some spotted dick with some reheated custard. Surely, surely the pudding, you know, in, in tribute to his heritage, should be Danish pastry served up with a, a quadruple <laughs> yeah. espresso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all. I think we're all forgetting one key piece of information here. The Duke of Edinburgh is from the Greek royal family, so a key menu item. Should be, you know, some baklava or something. You know, I had a selection of cheeses as the next next item, but I put on their Somerset brie and cheddar. But we can also put on some feta <laughs> and and maybe Halloumi. some halloumi. halloumi. Is oh. that Greek? Yeah. Well, look, any, no carvery worth its salt yeah. doesn't have deep fried halloumi with with some strawberry jam. That definitely is a good way of honouring the Duke Taunton style. 
you know, Louise, obviously you need to do some more research to come up with some ideas. Yeah, you, want but I'm to, sure... you want to just get in touch with the uh, Dutch manager of the Greyhound and Stable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, may, maybe a good start would be to go to Taunton for a start. Yeah, I think definitely. Anyway, in, in true podcast style, I've I've created an advert, you know, in 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 honor of the the more recent episode. Anyway, so, so the one thing that um that stuck out when I was editing the last podcast that we didn't really delve into that deeply was Johnny's long-standing career ambition of becoming a window cleaner. Well, I've given you a head start here with some free advertising, Johnny. So here we go. Do you open your curtains every day and feel that crushing sense of misery at yet another colourless grey day ruining your plans for an outdoor carvery? Do you miss seeing the sun bringing some colour to your dull, monochrome life? Is the only blue sky you see the window's welcome screen as you log on to yet another day working from home? Well, it's possible you live in Taunton, or you need your windows cleaning. Call Johnny's Window Cleaning Services to bring that sparkle back to your double glazing. Johnny's cheerful and cost-effective services will bring the shine back to your dull grey life. Bathroom windows are free. <laughs> there we go. Wow, Matt, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's so brilliant. That spoke to me on so many levels because I was, felt like I was the target and also the potential you know, issuer. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I'm really going to have to polish up my CV now. You are. Yeah. Definitely, and, or, or and polish squeegee, up, polish up some glass, squeeze, yeah. <laughs> squeegee up your CV. I love it. <laughs> can we publish that on Taunton Matters? Maybe. Yeah, can we, we put it on there? Do you think? Do you think I could? Do yeah, think of course we Matters can. Matters will. Yeah, I could float it on there. Maybe what they kind of take is like. I'm sure they'll give us some airtime. Right. Anyway. I think it's time. So we had a bit of an issue with Lee's reviews this year, this week. Actually, I'll um I'll play yeah. the jingle. Yeah, I'll play the jingle and we'll go into it. This is Blues Reviews. Yeah, so we we have issues with Lou's reviews, don't we, Matt? We do. So we just go back in time. So the reason we introduced Lou's reviews in the first place was. One of the biggest anxieties I had, and I, I don't, guys, I'm sure you'll share, share this uh, viewpoint w- with me, was that when we started the podcast, I was fully expecting there to be an absolute hailstorm of abuse <laughs> from the general public. You're picking up on the fact that we're white, middle class, posh, uh, and all the rest of it. And I was fully expecting that there to just be a torrent of, of messages coming at us you know, questioning our our right to, to have an opinion, not knowing our privilege, et cetera, et cetera. So my strategy was to meet it head on by using those reviews as content, basically. And also I thought Louise is obviously female from, from the north. Pretends, pretends to be working class, but clearly isn't. <laughs> and I thought I could bring some balance, you know, so we could use that sort of, you know, female northern voice as a way of, you know, but, in essence, making fun of the people that the haters, but these haters have been in short supply. Yeah, we, we've really had no haters. We've had no what haters. Apart yeah. from the manager I mean... of the Greyhound. <laughs> Apart from the manager of the Greyhound pub, yeah, and, and the entire population of Greece. <laughs> yeah, other than, yeah, other than that, we we <laughs> deny Greece. 
It's in Italian Basically, everyone's yeah. been really lovely about the podcast. It's exactly. so annoying. Can we just have some <laughs> hate I've heard. people, please? I've heard, yeah. I actually have have had several people give me like angry, like strained, polite, but you can tell that it's underwritten by anger and annoyance of a, a, a kind of behaviour that the English display best of people who are angry <laughs> about the Sunday lunch thing. They're really polite about it on the surface, but you can understand the hatred underneath. They were probably too busy with pro-Brexit, uh, Reddit, 4chan community. <laughs> and eating their, <laughs> their carvery. Maybe we need to start, you know, exactly shaking some more sort of foundations of British culture. Sunday lunch, you know, this is things like this, you know. I've always thought that a nice, nice country walk is... Yeah, who fucking needs it? <laughs> well, this is the time of the show we call... Mad Sweats. I mean, what the fuck is that country walk shit about? You know? I mean, what is it? What is your problem? Like, you're sitting at home. Why do you, you know, watching a good movie, you know, the damn busters on TV, edited racist character names, and then you just, like, inexplicably decide to, like, put your coat on and walk out into the country. I mean, it's, it's just, like, borderline offensive. It's so unbelievably <laughs> stupid so wrong it's like cruelty to animals that you infiltrate their line of sight yeah animals have been a constant theme right but we haven't really chosen any animals that the british public genuinely love yet have we i i think we should just go all out we've got to go all out for some dogs haven't we the british public love dogs and cats i think we've kind of we've definitely covered cats thanks to you matt we ought to just go all chinese on cats you know what Cook them and send them out on, with me on my delivery. Yeah, let's take a leaf from the Chinese book and just start hating on cats. You know what? Do you know what? Fuck cats. Fuck cats. That's I brilliant. Ridiculously annoying. That like negative look that they give you from the back of the chair. I think you. I think you get more reactions if you said fuck dogs. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think actually in Britain, in, in England, there's more dog lovers. It's an unpopular opinion. Unpopular. Uh, admittedly, I do not like dogs. What? Is it more because dogs don't like you? No, dogs do like me. I just hate, I just don't like them. Wow. I really Why? don't. I don't know. I don't know. This is going to get some complaints. They'll be flooding in now. Can I start? I'll kick off. It's a, it's a long game, but I reckon. To, to obviously this is this is now set the ball rolling for complaints coming in. You not liking dogs. The the longer game would be to introduce a dog into Matt Beatty's household um, and just wait <laughs> and just wait until <laughs> <laughs> some hilarity uh, just happens. You know, some dog versus blender. They're the reason people use to go for a Sunday walk after a bloody Sunday roast. I mean, what is it? You know, it's a Sunday and you see some prick walking down the street with a dog. Here we go. This is what I'm talking about. This is going to get the reviews in. more offensive than that. Some, some fucking douchebag with a dog 
<laughs> like on a like on some like stupid footpath, claiming they're going for a, a, a walk. I mean, it makes my blood boil just thinking about it. Gets me angry. It just makes me want to click. You know. So I'll give you an example of um, one of the annoyingly lovely reviews that we've had. Dear Straight From The Hot Tap, they didn't say that, I just made that up. I just wanted to thank you for brightening up my day and really enjoying listening to the show and all the interesting and varied insight. Initially, I was expecting some dull rubbish for four middle-aged white guys, in brackets, and Lou, bringing about how privileged they are, uh, but I couldn't be more wrong. Thanks for bringing this to my life. Ugh. Um, there was an interesting one that um, um, me and Matt found on TripAdvisor, though, about the hungry horse or hung like a horse, um, <laughs> as you call it. Um, <laughs> waiter, waiter, there's a nail in my soup. <laughs> this is very much along those lines, though. So this is actually off TripAdvisor, and it says, I visited today with my mother and three-year-old son and ordered mixed grill and beef madras. Uh, the madras was okay. Uh, but the well-done steak from the mixed grill was cremated and the chicken was like rubber. It wasn't worth the effort to complain, as you never know what the chef might do to the food. Brackets. Having uh, worked in a similar establishment, I have a clue firsthand. The staff were good at social distancing, but a member of staff completely ignored it. It's Dominic Cummings all over again. <laughs> the bit that I'm interested in there is having worked in an establishment like this, I know what the chef does to the food. Yeah, puts galvanized nails in the in the fish. <laughs> yeah. So this is a guy that so had a shocking meal and is so frightened of complaining because he knows what retribution the chef will meet on him. That's that's not good. The problem is the hungry horse though, if you if you complain, you know what's coming at you, don't you? A pint of ice. <laughs> I want a splash of coke. Right, guys, I'm going to stop recording because Johnny's had to bail out because his sound's mm. gone gone to hell. So, hold on, I'm going to stop recording now. Oh, no, hang on, he's back in. Let's, let's see whether this works. If this works, we'll carry on. Yeah, yeah that sounds better. Yo. What no. was the problem? Um, I just, um, I don't know. I've just, um, I've, I've switched to, I've switched a gun. You just logged off because you in needed top... to go for a wee? Uh, no, I just, <laughs> I should have gone for a wee. And now I really need a wee. Thanks very much, Lou, for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh, just hold on for a bit longer. How long? Oh, yeah. Oh well, I just finished my drink. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Just down your pint. Are you still talking about the hungry horse? By the way, no, we, we just finished the hung like a horse. Oh, yeah, because okay. there was a good review, me basically, where there was a warning about what the chef does to the food behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. The wor- the worst I ever saw working there was uh, well the th- the most common thing was um was lots of dropping on the floor. That was the worst. And the three floor second rule. Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. Although in a kitchen, I think it's like. Did I mention that I was a kitchen manager for TGI Fridays for quite a long time? Is that official policy? Three seconds at TGIs. Well, five seconds actually was our policy. <laughs> oh, <no>. Okay. <laughs> I think I think at Hungry Horse they got things confused with seconds and minutes, um, you know. Especially especially if the stuff was breadcrumb. If it was breadcrumb, then you could basically just leave it and kick it around and then put it back on the plate. Kick it, it around. Really, oh, they, were, they were fairly loose with hygiene. I can't believe you guys are all sharing 
images on the WhatsApp group of all the alcohol that you're consuming. It isn't. It isn't lunchtime over here. It's beer o'clock. Tony, that's a really, really beautiful wine glass. There, it's quite ornate, sort of cut glass. I know it is, is it? isn't it? It's also annoyingly know, small. Very good. Small. I was thinking. Yeah. In terms of um, sort of like uh, aspect and the, the four C's, how does it compare? <laughs> <laughs> you know the four C's, right? No. 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 Well. The four C's are are the criteria. Oh God! <laughs> no, 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 no! It's not there. It's not there. No, the four C's are the um, are clarity, carrot, um, uh, color, and and something else. <laughs> so, cock. Your cock. That's it. Yeah. Can you fit your cock into the glass? Okay, I'm not. I'm not sure that's a criteria that I could possibly contribute to. We're really going for the uh, the shocking this week, aren't we? We're going for the hate tonight, are we? Yeah. Matt, by the way, I was um I was uh, thinking about you this week because I read I read um I read I heard that Yafet you, Koto died. Yeah, and I was reading his obituary, and did you know? Yeah. That he turned down the role of Captain Jean Luc Picard no. in Star Trek: Next Generation. Yeah. Oh my god. He would have been amazing. Wouldn't that be incredible? I mean, he would have been so good, man. I mean, that would have just—I think he would have taken. I mean, Patrick Stewart was quite good, but I think he would have—I think he would have taken it to the next level, man. I, I can't believe that. I, I just—I'm shocked by what you just said. And and when you think about the different direction that. One of my, frankly, one of my favourite shows, which I used to watch constantly when I was living in Taunton, would have taken. Yeah. Would have had a black John Luke Picard. The reason, the reason he turned it down was because he'd been, he was in Alien. Yeah. I forget his, I forget his name in Alien. The engineer in Alien. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he didn't want to be typecast as a space guy. It actually makes me think about the. Um, the little-known Hollywood connection to Taunton, which you guys may or may not be aware of, which is that many big movie industry people have had lunch or dinner at the Castle Hotel's restaurant, which I think is now closed. Yeah, for example, one of my favourite directors, Sam Peckinpah, had lunch yeah, at the wow. Castle Hotel on his way to film the one of the most controversial movies ever filmed in Britain. Straw Dogs in the 1970s, which was filmed in, the, in Cornwall. But he famously had a business meeting at Beckenbar in Taunton's Castle Hotel on the way. Wow, that's interesting. So, guys, maybe swiftly, I'm conscious, I'm conscious, conscious of time. Uh, Matt, you said you needed a hard out at, in like 10 minutes, which is a pipe dream at best. I, I was going to do a Traffic Island Discs for, for you guys tonight. So, I, I really enjoyed last the last one actually. So I, I was having to think about it myself, and I've narrowed it down to to, to three tracks, which I found incredibly difficult. The, the format f- for this section was very much to look at not just songs that mean something to us, but f- songs that remind us of our past, but, but also to think about days and events from, from from our past that we'd like to to relive if we could. And I managed to to think of a, a, a song that also reminds me of a of a day or, or rather more to the point an evening that if i could i'd relive and matt you may remember this it was at your house so it was i i, I forget the, the the chronology but it was after we finished a levels it was very much our sort of farewell to our to our school life and we were all heading on our journeys into into adulthood and so on 
we had a party at your house. Do you remember this? Yeah. But there was the ceremonial slicing of the melon with a with a um, samurai sword. That's the one one of the things I remember. But um, back in the day, I I wasn't even remotely aware of or into hip hop or gangster rap. It was something that just hadn't hadn't been part of my you know my my musical upbringing. But that that was a really special evening for me because not only was it that quintessentially Somerset thing where we're sat in a in a lovely location with the sun coming down. It was a balmy summer's evening. You know, we had a barbecue. We we you know we 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 ceremonially sliced the melon um, and, and had the <laughs> usual the usual banter. <laughs> I, I remember Josh and Johnny. <laughs> rapping and you, you guys you guys sat in a in, in a swing chair in, in full view of everybody and you and you rapped oh to Tupac Shakur's changes oh no. and the the, the, the oh. flow was the flow was right on the money you know and there you guys were and it was a, you know the sun was just coming down and we were a few drinks worse for wear and you guys just hold for and you and you and you, and you nailed changes by Tupac and oh, you know that, that song as a result it, it reminds me of a of, of an evening that was just awesome I'd love to go back and do it again and it also reminds me of you guys bringing hip-hop to my life <laughs> so i thought that was cool yeah and then there's a second song. so matt right this this will mean matt this will mean more to you than it will to, to josh and johnny you guys might remember um somebody who used to go by the name of mrs kipper whose um, <laughs> real name was mrs wickham do you remember this so for our millions of listeners mrs wickham she was a she was your typical private school Jolly hockey sticks, um, PE teacher. She was very nice. Don't get me wrong, very nice, but very, but also very, in, you know, very private school, very jolly hockey sticks. And I don't, I still don't remember quite how we got on the wrong side of her. But um, Matt and I and some of our other friends, uh, Andy and Dave, uh, Andy, hi, I know you, I know you're listening. Uh, we got on the wrong side of Mrs. Kipper one day, and um, she gave us the, the mother of all bollockings. So. In in true um, in true Evans, which was our our day house uh, style, we we didn't let this this lie. Um, so we thought we'd get back at her. And for the uninitiated, so Mrs. Mrs. Kipper, she she her her classroom, which was a a gym basically, was the other side of a car park, and our house room overlooked the car park. And um, we'd managed to acquire from somewhere a, an oversized stereo. And a um, an amplifier that a, a guy called Nathan Roberts, who is um, who's probably in prison by now, I'd imagine, <laughs> um, he, he gave us an amplifier, and we we we, we thought that um, we realised that Mrs. Wickham she would finish her classes at a particular time, and she would have to walk diagonally across the car park to get to the staff room. So we rigged up this ridiculous stereo system, and pointed the, the speakers out of the window. Um, and the minute she left her classroom, we would play at the, the highest volume we could get on the system. This, which uh, I'm sure you'll all uh, remember. <laughs> yeah, so every single time Mrs. Wickham left her classroom on a particular day, we would play this music, which of course caused a lot of hilarity to the point where Mrs. Wickham used to change her route, so we had to change the timing 
on pressing play on the on the CD player to make sure we hit the right points of Carmina Burana by by off. Matt, do you remember? Do you remember I, this? I, I, I vaguely. But but yeah, so yeah, so for probably several weeks, every time Mr. Wickham left Tech Livestream, we played Carmina Burana um, at full volume. So yeah, that's that's my second song. My third song then is um, this is actually this is quite, this is quite a reasonable. One. So. I've always been massively into Britpop, you know, indie rock, and so on. So, yeah, a couple of years ago, a band came touring in the Northwest. And, yeah, so so this, this for me, very much captures that, that period of my life. And Lou and I went, and a few of my other friends went to, went to a gig a couple of years ago. And we had this ridiculous sense of nostalgia. And it was really quite moving, actually, like just being transported back to 1997. And you guys might know this, you might not, but uh, it's a song. The, the intro is pretty, pretty iconic, so you might remember this. Shed Seven. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. Like being caught in a nervous wreck, working up another sweat. Yeah, so that's uh, Chasing Robos by Shed Seven, and that just massively just reminds me of that period of my life. And you know, the, the, the gig was pretty awesome, wasn't it? And it, but, but look, you know, the, the feeling after that gig was was better than the gig itself, almost, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just honestly, it was just I I don't know. It just brought back loads of feelings of life is ace and you know being young and <laughs> not giving a shit about mm. any of your worries yeah that was good it was good anyway so yeah, yeah that's my traffic island discs so there you go beautiful nice selection. yeah I, nice we yeah. need a traffic island discs uh, jingle i think don't we you need that oh don't worry i'll come up with something yeah <laughs> Straight out of the mean streets of SW8, Superman's best friend, Dan Carter's life coach and the man they call the face of Specsavers. The wire-avoiding international man of mystery, Josh. This is Taunton Matters. I've been looking forward to Taunton Matters all week. Oh god, oh my god, do you know what though? Don't get too excited. The reason is, (laughs) last, last week... I felt there was like some brilliant stuff coming out of coming out of Taunton Matters this week. It's just really normal requests, you know. But isn't that isn't that the case every week? And you just put your comic spin on it. Uh, I I really you know Lou that I'll take that as a as a huge compliment. But this week it's going to be hard to you know we can start off with Jeannie Campbell, who posted just today. Hi. I'm looking for someone to replace inner tubes on my push bike. Any recommendations, please? I'm just not sure if that's some sort of internet language that we're not aware of or. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I'll meet you at Halford. Get a bike repair kit. Um, Anyway, if anyone knows how to replace Genie's inner tubes. (laughs) Yeah. Head to Taunton Matters now. This is one from a lady called Pippa. <laughs> this is great, though. This is so... This is Taunton. This is Somerset. My daughter is hoping to buy four bales of hay, if anyone knows of any, for sale. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that one. Why four particularly? I, I mean, I don't know. This isn't specified. 
is it to feed to like feed a horse or is it shoring up a flood? Maybe they have maybe they've got a barn dance for six. Yeah, yeah. socially distanced barn dance. Yeah, barn dance for one. I'd like four hay, b- hay bales. <laughs> barn dance for one. <laughs> Otherwise known as a wank. <laughs> That's some like Somerset lingo for everyone listening. Time out there. for a juicy dough. Gonna swing your partner by the hand. <laughs> that could have led directly on from what happened. <laughs> In Taunton, and the the headline from the Somerset County Gazette, which is um which is posted onto Taunton Matters, is excitement in the town. The day Peter Andre came to Taunton. <laughs> I mean, oh if that's not reason enough for a a barn dance for one, I don't know what is. <laughs> wow, when was that? <laughs> From someone called Adriana, she's saying hi. Any any recommendations for a house cleaner, please? Two to three hours a week, normal sort of thing. And someone just for any other people looking for a cleaner, someone has recommended Squeaky Clean Teresa Chard. We'll recommend Johnny's window cleaning services. Yeah, uh, yeah, that might be my future competitor. Slightly cleaner with the squeegee than the squeaky. <laughs> When you run your finger down the window and it makes a nice squeege, you know it's extra clean. <laughs> That's the strap line, isn't it? Do you reckon Duffy Meat Duffy could could set this up? I'm sure Mark could work his wonders with that. Mark, just get me up a ladder on every single house in Taunton. That's all I ask. Do it for me, man. I'll bring the water. Yeah. And... I'll, I'll bring the binoculars. You provide the uh, the advertising. <laughs> Uh, and the four hay bales after a cheeky barn dance for one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah! Oh! <laughs> Fall off the ladder. <laughs> Onto the hay bale. Police helicopter comes in from above. I can make a quick exit by the hay bale. <laughs> There's a guy called Trent, uh, and he does actually sort of end it with, I know this is a little sad. Um, no. Crying with laughter no. face. Wait for it. Uh, wait for it. He says. He says. His th- the main request is: Is there anywhere for people to recommend that I go in around Taunton to take some pictures of my car? What, like a like a car beauty spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, somewhere maybe up a ladder. I think you should go to the <laughs> yeah. um, the Duke of Edinburgh bowling alley. The valet parking area is is sized for a golden carriage. Just in case um, <laughs> the information is used, um, <laughs> can take care of any car size. This is a serious one now, genuinely. There's a guy called Sean Brown who's who's missing. Um, so, uh, and he's last seen, well, on the 17th of March. Um, and he was last seen, last known whereabouts was the Preston side of Tyne Grace, Newton Abbott. So it's a bit further further down the road. But um, he's 32 year, two years old. Uh, white male, six foot three tall, lean build, brown hair. So yeah, got a sort of goatee beard. So anyway, Sean Brown's missing. If you've seen him, this last one actually is quite a sort of. Um, this is quite nostalgic because it's one of those things that even if you're not in Taunton, 
where obviously it was it was we've all been on one and and it's very associated with Taunton but even if you're not, not in Taunton you see them around and it's a little kind of nod to our childhood but it's a it's a positive message Berry's coaches they're, oh, yes. they're back yes. in they're back in business tomorrow so yes. come on berries yeah. come on berries come on berries i i mean oh, i do love berries. it i love driving down the motorway or wherever we are you know, and seeing a berries coach you know it's just like oh yes it just brings back memories so anyway they're back in business and i have to say yeah. they're the fleet that they're showing in this picture looks just a heck of a lot nicer than the ones that we ever been, <laughs> that we were the sort of ones that smelt of smoke from the 1970s oh my god yeah i saw a berries coach unloading 30 plus pensioners in Nantwich about a year ago oh wow yeah wow. they came, they came to Nantwich from from berries i don't know why they came here it must have been why? they must have got lost somewhere why? <laughs> Why would you go no, a day, day trip from Taunton? Well, yeah, they came. Yeah, they came. They, they were they were going to the market. It was market day. Yeah, Shut but up. I'm guessing it was. I'm guessing they were stopping. I, my money's on. They were going to Alverston Hall for a stay over. Look, let's get let's get the hot tap investigative unit on that one. Let's find yeah. out the records. Let's pull some maps <laughs> and, and find out what what was happening on that day. I'm I'm quite keen to find out what was going on. Let's get the driver <laughs> logs and you know check check the taco. Yeah, check, 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 check the taco. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the same as a barn dance for one? <laughs> well, that takes us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. This week's business shout-out goes to the glow-trotting Berries Coaches. Berries is an iconic brand for Taunton and their coaches have been taking people all over the country for well over a hundred years. Well done, Berries. Visit www.berriescoaches.co.uk for more information. This was straight from the hot tap. Duppy Media is a Taunton web development business guaranteed to bring your web projects to life. From one-page sites to full e-commerce-enabled web builds, Duppy Media can give your company the edge you know it deserves. Call Mark at Duppy Media for e-commerce web hosting, new builds and website additions. You will find Mark's personalised and tailored service the perfect partner for injecting some sparkle into your company's website, and at a very competitive price. Visit www.duppymedia.co.uk for more information.